0: I'm Sky Elazar and I'm Tater. I am Matt Donlin. I am Tater.
1: I'm Nick Raposo and I am Tater.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the We Are Tater podcast. I'm here alongside my brother Freddie. This is your host, Jeremiah. And today we're gonna to talk about the Tater Kong. I'm super juiced up about this episode. It's gonna be a fun one. So I'm gonna ask Freddie quickly why we started a Tater Kong. Just go right into it, let's go. So this,
1: this one means a lot to me and I'm glad this is episode three. Again, if, uh, before I jump into it, honestly, I, if you guys love the stuff that we do, share it to your friends, share it to people that need to hear the story because this one is gonna be legendary. So 2015, right? We, we talked a little bit about that in episode one, but I was working at a company called Foley. Uh, I was a marketing analyst there doing a lot of like- The
0: dog days.
1: Yeah, those, were, those, were, those <laughs> days were terrible. I love the people I worked with though. They still support, they love me. It's just the, the job was not it. Uh, you know, and, and me being naive, I told everybody what I was doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm starting this company uh, with my family. If I could sell, you know, so-and-so many bats, I can ma- I can get out of this place. I used to find any excuse to play ping pong with anybody who would be down to play and uh, just so I wouldn't have to work there. And um, as the company started to grow, there was a couple people that were a little, you know, haters and, and obviously, uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of haters throughout the years. Yeah. And, and this was like a building block of like, I'm sitting next to someone and they just hate on me and they snitch on me or whatever. And it was like a blessing because them not wanting me to succeed made it so easy for us to, you know, water off a duck's back. Like it doesn't matter. Like if, uh, now if a competitor or anything that happens, people bite our stuff. Like we, I just know we're going to get better. And, and you know what? Like competition is, is healthy and people who hate on your stuff is, is just because they're jealous so long long story short I mean so I would sit in the office and I was sitting next to a gentleman who who was a uh, like crazy crazy guy like drawing his his work was crazy like I was never artistic so I this was the first artist we ever collab with and I said hey man I'll, I'll pay you to do a, like a a design for me we have this uh logo it's a tb with a with a home plate around it, we're going to drop it here, check it out, and uh, we, uh, I actually asked one of the marketing girls that worked there, her name was Abby, if she could make it for us, it was a TB, Uh, you'll see it on the screen, it'll, it'll pop up, cursive script, home plate, super thin, and people used to hate on that design, they used to call it J3 instead of TB, because it just, whatever, you know, people knew it was just, some people just wanted to be hardos about it and uh the guy that sat next to me was uh drawing a bunch of stuff for different people at the office and i said you know what i would love i would love for you to make a gorilla holding a big banana and the home plate would be the tb logo and uh he took like a week or so a couple of days i don't even remember the timeline but he made that and i had i had it on my uh my wall and that was like the first semblance of the Tater Kong. Like, it had a little bit of an attitude. You know, we, I gave him a little direction. I wanted to, you know, wanted some attitude. Some swag. Some crazy swag. Like the, I don't care what you say, I'm going to beat you. Or, you know, like that confidence level. Like, we're going to play. Uh, you're going to throw this pitch. I'm going to hit a bomb off you. And it was kind of like the underlying feeling I was having at the office when, you know, people would be like, oh, where's Freddie. Uh my manager would come in and be like, Oh, where's Freddie? And I asked my coworkers and instead of a couple of them like having my back I mean there was a couple that had my back some someone would say, Oh, he's he's just wasting his time selling bats during his lunch. So let's talk
0: about this, right? So Freddie was working his nine to five like everyone else, fresh out of college, you were twenty three at the time. And at his lunch break, that was his opportunity to sell bats because after that we would go home and we'd produce. We'd make we'd be making bats, so in the garage, in the lab. So you used to go Straight from lunch, I'm sure those first three hours of work would go by super slow because you're just ready to set up and get to this meeting. So talk about what that was like, the anticipation of the meeting, and then getting back, hoping you weren't going to get in trouble. Literally, I would try to plan out my day where I would say,
1: okay, if I can get all my stuff done today, even if I came back a little late, my boy Jason, who ended up becoming our first sales rep, who the used go to help me out all Jason. the time, uh, would cover my back so my boss literally only came on like a single day of the week it was like fridays or wednesdays i can't remember but he drove all the way from boston he was the man like i, I have nothing bad to say he really hooked it up but i understand now where i'm at now i understand why he was on me because i obviously it was a real job but um you know there was other people who would, you know other managers in does different departments who would like Try to point out like this guy is not, you know, he shows up late or he's leaving or he's taking an hour lunch or taking an hour and twenty, not focused on what he's got to do. Yeah, and you know what it was is that I was finishing my work in like two or three hours and I was like, oh, I'm good for the day. I can focus on making the website, you know, stuff like that. And um, you know, I would I would research facilities, and we're talking nobody knew who I was, what Tater was. I have been out of the game for like five or six years. So there would be times where I would leave, I'd run to my, uh, not every time was to sell bats. Like there was times where I would actually have to drive somewhere to get bats engraved with people's names on them. And I would have to coordinate times where I could drop off the bats or sit there and wait to make sure they do it right. Cause we've had issues where the the person who was engraving the bats, uh, because we didn't even have the equipment yet, would spell the person's name wrong and then I would have to eat it. So I'd be the bad guy, when I didn't mess up the order was in somebody else's hands, but I would go to these facilities and, uh, there was only, you know, there was a couple in Hartford area where the capital of Connecticut and, uh, not all of them, but there was a handful of them that would just be like, oh, why, why, why buy your stuff? Like, like, oh, I don't, you know, thanks for coming, but we don't need you here. And it was just kind of like, an underlying sense of like uh, you're not gonna make it, and there was times where people would be like, "Hey, you're pretty smart. You want to work for me? Like, how much do I pay you to work at Tater?" And I'm like, "No, bro. This is this is my company." And uh, not only did I have to battle those issues where people didn't believe in the in the branding, which now they're you know some of them some of those facilities are dying to work with us, right? right. Yeah, they want us to do everything for them, and they want us to rebrand a whole whole facility, which is crazy. And uh, I, I don't even remember if it's the same. People, or if it went through new management or whatever, but it's just kind of ironic. And the thing is, the thing of the matter was, not only was I battling prospective clients not believing in the brand, but I was also having coworkers who thought that I was killing it or making money, and they were just trying to make it harder for me on my regular job.
0: Yeah, that that's that hustlers mentality, man. You're just trying to trying to hustle, and that's something that we haven't stopped with since we started. Over seven into seven years into this. And I feel like every day we still have that same mentality that when we started, we're, we're going to hustle and get this done. We're going to do anything we can to be the best company out there.
1: Yeah, and, and that's really what the Tater Kong really embodies today. So it's it's – and this is why a lot of players and a lot of people relate to it because it's like not only do we have to prove ourselves day in and day out, not only do we have to innovate, but even – Throughout that, even though we put up the number like a player, even though he puts up the numbers, even though, you you know, they show out, they're constantly in people's faces doing the right thing. People still want to doubt. Right. And it's just it's okay, But it's the chip on our shoulder. That's why the Kong has his hat turned backwards. He has that little smirk. He has the sunglasses on. He's coming to play. He's coming to show out. He doesn't care what you got to say. We're going to go in and do the job and we know we're going to do it right and we're going to do it well. And nobody can take that away. So the first
0: Tater Kong is not what it is today. Right. So we're going to talk about next how that first Tater Kong evolved into this one and what's to come. So that first Tater Kong was obviously instrumental to our growth. But then about two years after that, we met a good friend who's close to us now, who still works with us. His name is Chuck. And Chuck is a beast. Graphic design, that's the thats the goat. And Chuck was referred to us by our great friend jc who was, was working at tater every day with us grinding it out so we said to chuck you're a graphic designer we have this let's make this one-dimensional and swaggy to fit the tone of what tater is and what it will be for years to come so talk about that conversation you have with chuck when you wanted him to create the new tater Kong.
1: chuck nasty i love that guy man i love you chuck and jc jc so this is how it kind of went down So, bootstrapping the company, we didn't have a lot of money, and it was constant people bombarding me with, hey, I want to do this, hey, sponsor my team, hey, sponsor me, I'm a pro player, even though they may not have been a pro player, Uh, sponsor my baseball team, you should donate, blah, 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 and it's like, well, while those are great things to do, you know, this is this is 2017 we're barely you know we're still operating out of a garage and no, people no are like capital no capital like i'm still working at foley yeah. like or i think i actually was in the process of transitioning to my neck uh, my next job and uh because it was just getting so tense there where there was just, you know i was just under a microscope everywhere i went yeah even. so uh so jc who you know knew my knew the grind he, he actually was the, my right hand man for a long time and it, and I know if I call him today, he'll be right there with us. Uh, he was like, hey, my boy, Chuck, or I call him Chuck Nasty, uh, wants to do some graphic design work. And I was already like, hey, JC, I've gone through like five different graphic designers. Nobody gets it. They don't play baseball. They don't understand like the, the, the environment, the
0: vibe. Because everyone knows you're a baseball player. You You're in baseball. Some things just don't hit. So it's like. The vision for baseball-type, you know, logos or anything, typography, it just has to flow with what baseball is. It can't be eyewash. For people who don't know what wash is, look it up. And then uh, Chuck just knew what he was doing because he was a baseball guy, and he was still playing at the time.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, it was kind of like uh, – it was like, hey, prove yourself to me type of conversation. And I wish you – you know – I wish uh, I wish you called him today to ask him exactly what I said because yeah, I, I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase it, but I said something to the effect of, because, you know, I was really tired of, it was always constant, like, people, like, Tater, two years in, a little bit success, people were saying, like, I've had multiple instances where people were saying, oh, I own Tater, but, like, I've never even met the person before, or people were trying to make copies of the bats, or people were trying to say that they knew me very well, or whatever and I didn't even know who they were and they've never even they never even bought product from us before saying that they owned a company or whatever and uh or that they did stuff for us or they made our website just people just trying to bite right and uh I said Chuck uh I need you to prove it to me that you can do the graphic I don't doubt you but can you take this gorilla and make it into an actual logo uh that we can use and then from there Uh, you know we'll contract you to do stuff because i had multiple graphic designers where i would pay them and then we would get some bs and (laughs) it's like well i just grinded to sell you know bats for two or three weeks and it all went down the drain because the design that we needed or whatever we needed you know wasn't it and uh chuck came back and we we had some like ideas Mm -hmm. and uh he came back and he was he had like i don't know like 15 different logos with the gorilla we even did a lion we've done a couple different things where it was just like you know and I was like Chuck I want somebody something that says I'm gonna body you like we're gonna play and you're not gonna win like I'm sorry but we're too good for you yeah because
0: literally in the baseball industry you will see other brands that they don't have a secondary or third logo or even a mascot so this was another differentiator for us to not only Give something for that encompasses the brand but gives something for people to resonate with right versus just a normal corporate logo
1: right and it's like that's that's really what we wanted we had the tater logo at this time we transitioned from the, the TV. tv to the tater with the oval the one on his hat and uh the one on maya's head and on the t- tater kong's head but uh <clears throat> it was something that you know we, we needed to hit all aspects we need to be corporate. We also need to be edgy. A lot of the companies out there are very, very corporate. And nobody's edgy. Everybody's afraid to be edgy. Uh, so, for us being a small, nimble company, we can kind of do what we want. Innovate. Innovate. Not, different. Don't worry about what people have to think or say. Because at the end of the day, we're doing what we like to do. So, if people like it, that's great. If people don't like it, that's fine too. Because, you know, this is, this is our project. This is our company. We can end up if we wanted to to make a camouflage whatever we could do it so the tater kong really is something that that people can identity uh, like an identity for the company that they can resonate with and and what's ironic is a lot of companies have tried to now incorporate a gorilla with a hat on with some sunglasses but they you know it's just not it and they had to stop doing it
0: i think something that we have to touch on now is not only what the kong means to us but what it means to baseball because what everyone is noticing now, and at least we notice it because we, we're, we're in the game every day is that baseball culture is changing and similar to the Kong, it represents culture,
1: right? Yeah, new school, man. this is baseball has been such a, like a legacy sport. Uh, America's pastime, right? right. Uh, Love the game, but it's gotten to a point where no one was really pushing the envelope
0: yeah like if someone bat flips people are getting mad but we all know that that type of stuff is here to stay
1: yeah that's i mean look at all the other sports everybody's edgy doing cool stuff you know celebrations doing flips whatever it may be cool cleats yeah you still so have it so the tater kong really embodies that movement like that's the uh, the new identity of baseball the new culture the culture kong we want to call it right uh and that's owned by Tater. So anything that we do that's edgy has the Kong on it. Right. And anything that's very corporate, very, you know, minimalist. Minimalist is gonna be the TB or the Tater logo. And like recently we came out with the Tater Kong alternate bat. And that like was a hit because no one has ever seen something where it has, okay, there's literally five colors on this bat splattered all over the place in a crazy design, and there's a huge Tater Kong on it. But if you rotate the bat, it looks like a traditional bat. Yep. What do you What do you What do you say? What What is your take on like the Tater Kong and and like culture and
0: baseball and how
1: we're gonna change the game?
0: So the Kong, like I was saying before, goes right along with the movement. But when it's so universal that you can use it with anything, and the new players that are coming up, whether it's a 15 year old or 16 year old or a guy who's in single A who's starting up, it gives them that. That thing that, okay, these guys are trendy and edgy. I can feel confident that doing the same thing when I play. That's what I see it like. Something to prove. Something to prove. And then on top of that, you know, something that we've been working on for the last year and a half, you guys probably seen on our Instagram, is, is incorporating the Kong with new styles, right? So we have the shades. We give the, the shades a perspective of, you know, ballparks around the world that are synonymous with, you know, culture. So talk about that. So what, one
1: one cool idea that we, you know, cause baseball culture is so, so it's changing so quickly. And uh, we have a big part of it, whether whether we believe it or not. Like yeah. I know in my heart that we are the ones that are innovating the industry. So Mark Martinez, like he helps us all the time. We met him, what about like this time about last year, right? Maybe two years, two ago. years ago. He's been helping out at the shop. He's become like a brother to me, and uh, he was like, "Yo, you know what'd be sick? In the shades of the gorilla is the like uh, layout or like parts of the city of where baseball stadiums are.
0: Yankee Stadium, City Field, PNC Park. PNC. You, know, you got the Roberto Clemente Bridge. You got those like those icons or those specific landmarks in those respective cities that." Are associated with the teams, are in you know a fan's identity, yeah. even, even like a player's identity. Because you know I'm a big fan of the Pirates,
1: and whenever I see like what I care most about that stadium is the Clemente on the bridge. Yeah, like that's all I. That's the first thing I want to go see, and that's honestly one of the only things I want to go see when I go down there, uh, just because of the feeling that I get when I when I'm there. And it's crazy because even overseas
0: the tater kong is making an influence on baseball Yeah, in the Asian markets. Yeah, you got guys wearing the tater kong underneath their hat, whether it's in Japan or in Taiwan. You got guys in the big leagues. You know, everyone's wearing headbands underneath their hat. We came out with the tater kong headband. Guys are wearing it on, on field in the stadium. They're, hitting, they're sliding. They're hitting double. The helmet's falling off. What do you see? You see the tater kong. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's one thing that
1: I'm glad you bring it up because not only did we do a tater kong with the uh, shades – with all the different cities and stuff. But we also did it to represent people's countries. Yeah. Because a lot of folks don't get an opportunity to express themselves because obviously baseball is very clean cut. And uh, and there's, there's not necessarily anything wrong with it, but it's very hard to, you know, identify yourself. So uh, we, what we ended up doing was we put like the Venezuelan flag, the Dominican flag, Puerto Rican flag, American flag, and, and the Mexican flag and a couple other countries in the uh, – in the Tater Kong silhouette, yeah, in the silhouette. So, not only are people resonating with, hey, I got something to prove. I'm going to play in the big leagues for more than this year. I'm going to because because it's one thing to make it, is the other thing to stay. So, guys that wanted to, you know, guys that want to show that they have something to prove, that they're willing to put into work, that they can do it, they can grind it out, and they have the capability, they're the first ones that take the. Yeah, that's like what I see is like take the guys the jump, yeah. take the jump and and wear the Tater Kong. And there's Tater guys that don't necessarily use a Tater Kong, but those are the guys that
0: necessarily are more reserved. But there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and we even have guys who have the tat. Like, they tattooed Tater Kong on their arm. Oh, yeah, my Shout boy. Shout out Chris. Shout out Chris because we met Chris in 2020. You know, great great guy, one of my best friends now because of baseball. If, if it wasn't for Tater or baseball, I would have never met him. But he instantly resonated with the Kong. Like, this is a perfect example. Chris is playing pro ball. He goes, yo, I'm going to get the Kong tatted on my arm. We're like, yo, relax. I like, don't even have do Hold to, on. I don't even like, have we, don't, we don't even have it on our body. <laughs> like, I don't have any tattoos. You're going to get it. We thought he was joking. Sure enough, what was it, like three or four months later? I literally said, if you do it, I'll pay for it. Because I didn't even believe he was going to do it. Yeah, it was... No thought in our head that he was going to do it. So was it three, four months later? I'm trying to remember. It was around the it was summertime. Like, like,
1: uh, like three months later, he said, hey, I got a tattoo artist. He's going to come down to the shop. and We're going to do it right in the, right in the factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we waited and ended up like the tattoo artist ended up bailing. Yep. But then literally the next day, he found some other tattoo artist to do it, and they banged it out in a day.
0: And he's got it big right on his tricep. And he's, and he's the first one with it, but there's going to be more guys. For sure, uh, we've literally have like five guys that said
1: they're gonna do it. Yeah, out of their own free. Like once we said we brought it up, like yo, you know what's funny? I've been
0: thinking about that. Yeah, we got guys with the Puerto Rican Kong that they're gonna put, you know, the Kong with the Puerto Rico flag inside of it on their leg. They got guys who are ready to do anything. Like they love it. Yeah, and and, and, and you know what? And and I'm and I'm glad you say say that is
1: multiple people because one thing that I really am, I feel very strongly about is that it's one thing. When you go somewhere or you start something new and you do it by yourself and you can get you can get somewhere very quickly, but you won't go very far. Right. Yeah. You try. Like if I started Tater and I didn't have all this help and I didn't have you or mom or pop, JC, Chuck, uh, you know, anybody, Chris or, or all any of the players or the people who, who used to come to the house to buy the bats, like yeah. literally knock on our front door, come to the basement and then spread the word. If it wasn't for those folks, we wouldn't have gone so far. So the other, and I, I, I almost forgot about this.
0: Yeah, the, the, what gorillas do, is this, this is what you're going to talk they're about? They're like the family, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, when you see a gorilla, they're always in packs, right? And this was one of the, the big principles of why I wanted the, a gorilla to embody the company is that not only are they strong, not only do they, do they, can they fight on their own, but they, they, they work as a family and protect each other and that's when it comes down to community. I'm so big on community now because I look at it, all the people that I really really care about, everybody that I, I talk to on a daily basis, all the people that have our backs are because they're a part of our Tater family. Yep. Not necessarily saying like you know, people from before Tater I don't care about. It's more like there's a different feeling of be, of being in this in this in this community that we have created because It's like, I know I can call a person and someone in my, like from Tater and they'll be at our front door before maybe somebody I grew up with or even family. Ready to go. Yeah. They're ready to go. Because it's just, because it's that underlying sense of what Tater, the Tater Kong really stands for.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know that so many people have helped us along the way and it's just going to keep happening that way, right? This is the Tater community, the Tater family, what we say all the time, you know, we are Tater, Tater fam. It's everyone who is with us now and everyone who's going to help us propel and, and keep going forward. So the Kong and Gorillas in general is that whole pack idea. Without it, you know, it's the core of what Tater is. Yeah. and And I really, I
1: really do, like I was actually talking to an agent today and he goes, how do you pick the players that you give a contract to or? or how do you pick the guys that you want to support or market w- market? <clears throat> and I said, literally, you know, any, y- you can walk up to somebody and say, Hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of free stuff and they'll take it. Right. But it takes a special type of person. And this is not only for pro players, but high school players, college guys, parents, so on and so forth. It takes a very special type of person to support because they actually want to support you and they believe in it. And, um, and guys that show loyalty to us, because obviously, you know, that's a big part of it. When you know you have something, you know, when somebody has your back and you have their back, it's just a different type of relationship than just, hey, here's a contract, sign this, you're here with us for a year. Because a lot of these guys that, that we have relationships with, whether they continue to play baseball, whether
0: they're done with baseball, whether they decided to do a career change, we well, still talk to them all the time. Yeah, we're with them. Yeah, we're helping them. They're calling us to help make their life decisions. It's that that whole camaraderie, that brotherhood. And that's why it's so different the relationship that we have with everyone, not only pro players, like you just said. Because these guys, we trust them that they're gonna showcase our stuff on the on the at the highest level. Or even we have, you know, the guys who are showcasing, co- showcasing our stuff in college or high school. It's that same thing. And that there's a trust that no matter what happens, you know, these guys will be honest with us and we're honest with them. And there's that undoubted trust that is automatically associated with it yeah and i think it i mean there's uh
1: there's a lot of people who've become family just because of the time spent
0: together yeah
1: and it's kind of like uh the band of brothers where you you're like fighting a war or you're you're trying to show out because you know if we wanted to just mass produce a product and just try to make money and we can flood the market. We can make bats cheaper or, or and use cheaper wood and just flood the market. But that's not what we want to do. It's the same investment the player is making in us, we're making in them. High school, college, even youth, MLB, minor league, independent, whatever the case may be, is that we truly put our hearts and our sweat and tears into these bats because we want our, you know, our family members, our brothers, our sisters, whatever you want to call it, to succeed because we actually do care about their careers.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I think that's a, this is a good spot the good spot to to leave it at. I mean, we covered a lot of information in this episode. You know, I enjoyed talking about the Kong with everyone, and it's a question that we get all the time. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, so. For those who know the story, you know it a little more now. For those who have always wondered what the Kong really embodies, share it with someone who might ask you in the future because the Kong is here to stay.